Sports is no longer just about the game itself. To be a success and to find fulfillment in the game, it takes more. The mental, relational, and cultural component has become more of a focus. No longer is talent enough. An athlete has to be trained in a holistic manner to reach their potential. Training the Complete Athlete provides a wide variety of interviews and informational podcasts for coaches, parents, and athletes to gain insight to reach a higher level of performance. So today I'm uh, fortunate enough to have Jane Samuels with me. And it's interesting, I didn't know her as an athlete whatsoever. We met on the campus of Concordia and we both work in the athletic department. But in her own right, she was an amazing athlete. She was an all-American swimmer at Cal Berkeley. And we do kind of give each other a hard time about where we went to school since we uh, were both in competitive universities. Uh, but the interesting thing is she she was a sprint swimmer and a long distance swimmer, which I find fascinating to have those two personalities because usually people that are sprinters in anything have a different personality than people that do distance. But one of the things that Jane and I talk about a lot is the concept of mindfulness. And uh, Jane is a certified yoga instructor, which I probably have mentioned that yoga and me are not friends just because flexibility and I are not friends. But I think I'm secretly jealous of Jane because she has so much discipline and can quiet her life in a way that I can never um, or even imagine. So I love hearing about her yoga trips um, and knowing how she stays in that peace of mind for so long. So Jane, I'm really excited to have you here. You're also an assistant AD at Linfield. So you You've seen every side of the gamut when it comes to athletics, and I loved having that perspective. So I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So um, as I say, you, you know, having that discipline being a long distance swimmer, and you've also trained long distance swimmers. Um, so talk to me about mindfulness, because there, there gets this perception that it's all about Zen, and it's all about being completely quiet in a dark room. And that's really not what mindfulness is about at all. So talk to me a little bit about what mindfulness is. Yeah, uh, mindfulness is um, really being uh, present in your body, in your mind, in your emotions uh, at any given time. And so uh, no one is good at mindfulness. And I use quotes because you're not, nobody becomes an expert at mindfulness. Um, mindfulness is a practice and it's a constant practice. And it's similar to any other workout that we would do where you realize you get better at being mindful the more you do it, the more you practice being mindful. So um, the traditional practice of yoga is, is linking your breath with movement so that you get, and sometimes those movements, those poses are really pretty odd. Uh, so it's just a matter of like, like, can you put your body in this position and still be aware of your breathing? And that's where it's a, it's a helpful practice for a lot of people because it's out of the regular world. It's in a room and you're doing it by yourself or with other people and you're trying to get into these poses and yet stick with your breathing all the time. But in reality, mindfulness is something that happens anywhere and it's available at all times. So mindfulness is something that you can achieve while you're making your coffee in the morning, or you can, uh, you can practice mindfulness as you're walking or as you're, as you're doing your job, whatever it is. Um, and all it is, is, is bringing attention to uh, what is going on in your body and your mind and your emotional state at any given point? Not so that you can correct those things, uh, but so that you have the awareness of them to say, is this important right now? Yes, no, leave it aside if it's not and be here with what's going on. So we've all been in situations where I, I don't I, I'm sure you can imagine this. I, I, I noticed this 
pretty often when I'm driving along and I'm taking in the scenery and then I get into a conversation with a passenger. And next thing I know, I have, I, I don't remember what I just looked at for the last half hour. Mm -hmm. So um, that's mindfulness is being able to give your, your whole body space uh, at, you know, certain points in the day or, or frequently throughout the day to just have everything synced up together, to just be where you are with everything that you have in one place. Well, and one of the the biggest things I see in just a general population, and and I think athletes are the worst, is we live in the past and in the future more than we live anywhere else. And I always explain that the past is where depression lives and anxiety is where the future lives. And athletes focus on past failures because in sports we fail a lot, right? You know, I, I competed in a sport that you failed way more than you ever were successful. And that's true about most sports. And we don't want to repeat that failure. So we very, very rarely do we just stay in that present state. And it is a practice. I always think, man, to do that for half an hour would be overwhelming. I had to do one minute at a time to really get it down. So, um, so yeah, I think that's that misconception of you should be able to clear your mind for half an hour. That would be torturous, right? It's, it's nearly impossible. Yeah. 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 Yes. And to that point, a lot of times athletes do look at the past to reflect on how they can improve or they're thinking about their future performance. And that's because athletes tend to be very driven. Mm -hmm. Uh, But athletes are also really good at mindfulness because any athlete can imagine a time you can think all of us can think of a time when we were in the zone Mm -hmm. where things are clicking, like Mm -hmm. everything is dialed in and you are doing your sport, you're doing whatever you're out for a run and that first mile feels like crap. And the next thing you know, Things start to fall into place and your head calms down and your legs are moving, your breathing is synced up. That's mindfulness. So we can achieve that. We achieve that all the time. We know what it feels like when it's going well. Well, it's interesting because so many people think that the zone just happens. It's a, a it's a luck thing, but it's not. It's a it's a learned thing, right? So great performers are a mix of genetic lottery winners, right? You know, you see the Michael Jordans, the LeBrons, but they are also experts at staying present all the time, or the majority of the time, right? And that's a lear- that's a learned skill. That's not a you don't win the genetic lottery on that one, right? So it's a combination of those two things to be that elite athlete for sure. So. You know, athletes don't just compete. And I know other people outside of the athletic world are going to listen to this. So how does being mindful really help work through stress and worry? Um, well, it, it uh, you know, any at any point in time, when if I'm sitting here in this conversation with you, I, my mind could go to other things I need to get done in the day, right? Mm-hmm. But Am I actually making any progress towards completing those things by thinking about it now? No. So that's where you can reduce that stress. You you can clear some of the real estate in your own mind by letting go of some stuff that you can't actually do right now or things that in a larger sense are just out of your control, right? Totally. And it's not easy to do. And our brains will are very cyclical. This is our the brain's job. It's to continue thinking. And so it's difficult to calm it down. the easiest way to calm it down is is to start practicing mindfulness, like bringing attention to your breath, bringing attention to your physical being and sort of sitting, just bringing those all together again. Our mind tends to be the loudest, um, but you can pay attention to your body and and have them all kind of balance out and and calm down again. Um, So what I find is that for, uh, if I can practice mindfulness a few times throughout the day, like just pause and do a breathing exercise to just feel my heart rate slow down, or if you're wearing a watch, it tells you your heart rate is slowing down. That's pretty <laughs> cool too. Um, but just see everything calm down. 
you get used to being in that state. You can, the more you practice that, the more comfortable that is. And you don't have this, um, this cycle of needing to stay in a, in a, uh, trapped thought or staying in like staying in a dramatic situation, those things that you get over them because you can come back to this calm place and that feels more recharging. Well, I know with athletes, um, they would, I know they were always stressing about things like I have a chemistry test to study for after practice, or I'm in a fight with my roommate, or uh, I just broke up with a significant other. You know, some of the, the, the pretty typical themes of being in, a, in the college atmosphere or high school atmosphere. And I used to just remind them, you can't study for chemistry and play center field at the same time. You can't fight with your roommate and play center field at the same time. So you are getting to do grown-up recess. So enjoy being here because, like you say, I can't affect the other things. So you get to choose of being really present and really affecting what you can and what you can't. And I think kids that really were able to do that, you would see a total escalation in, in their performance. And they could just go, okay, you're right. I've got two hours of practice. Physics, chemistry, biology, it can all wait, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you've been, you know, this as a counselor too, that emotional responses to situations last for seconds. Mm -hmm. They don't last a long time. They last for no. seconds. But when our brain starts to register an, an emotional response and then our brain is cyclical in, our, in thinking and keeps bringing that emotional response back, next thing you know, somebody says, how was your day? You're like, oh, it was awful. Somebody said this to me at 9 a.m. And you're, yeah. but you've been, you've been re playing, rerunning it. that in your mm -hmm. brain. And so, um, I, I love the idea too of, of recognizing that emotions are fleeting. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when you're mindful, you can recognize when your brain is starting to chew on something and, and interrupt it and say, no, I don't have, that's not useful to me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let that go. And it, it takes a lot of practice. I mean, you have to say it several times to yourself, <laughs> like, I'm going to let that go. It's go. not serving me right now. Well, and one of the things um, that uh, I learned working with young athletes, I had a 12U team and we would do like one minute mindfulness trainings in between drills. And we used a, an app called Headspace and it would talk to you kind of about the cloud of thought coming through and then moving on. You know, I use the, the graphic of the game, the old school game Frogger of, okay, you get to pay attention to the log and then the log moves down the stream because we try to clear our mind, which is impossible. It's torturous, right? But usually when I talk to people in the counseling room or even athletics, we talk about brains flooding, right? And it's kind of like the, the image of drinking out of a fire hose. And it's like, okay, our brains flood so much. What we really need to do is identify what the issue is acknowledge it and let it move through. Right. And that's the thing is, is it does take practice to do that. You know, when I was going through my grad program, we had to go to counseling. <laughs> you have to go to counseling to be a counselor. And he said, I want you to be quiet for 20 minutes. And I was like, why don't you cut my hands off? Like it's going to be easier. Um, cause I was so incapable of just being present with that one thought I was whistling within 30 seconds. Right. Um, because we always are distracting ourselves or getting overwhelmed with our thoughts. So, so what are other skills? You kind of talked about yoga and the benefits of how yoga can train you to keep in that mindfulness thing. Um, what are other things that you would uh, suggest to student athletes of, hey, these are other simple good practices, maybe things when they're even on the bus, when they're in their dorm rooms, just simple things that they can do quickly to kind of regain composure and get their focus back. Yeah, I think one of the easiest things to do is a brain dump. If you, whatever system of organization you have, if you use the calendar or people have varying levels of organization. For me, I just like dump all the thoughts, all the things that I think that I need to think about 
onto a piece of paper and set it aside before I go into for a swim or for whatever a meeting that I'm going to go to, whatever it is, so that I don't have to worry about them. They're written down. They'll be there when I get back. Great idea. Um, and then I just, I, I try and always breathe, like take a few uh, moments to think about, to just, to just notice your breathing and take, um, you can set a timer on that. You can set regular times of the day that you're going to do it. Even if you're only taking three to five deep breaths, the very act of bringing your mind to focus on your breathing slows your whole system down. It calms your, um, your, it, well, it activates your parasympath parasympathetic nervous system. So it starts to calm everything down. And that, um, just that, that habit I think is useful. Mm -hmm. You can do it with movement too, or you can just do it. I mean, I can do it sitting here with you. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm being mindful at this moment. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, that's one of the hardest things to learn as, as being a therapist is being truly present, uh, for 55 minutes. Um, I think as you get deeper into our profession, you get to be an expert, but it does take time to build that. And I have to remind myself, okay, don't plan on what you're making for dinner. You're right here with your client, right? Um, yeah, it is, is definitely something to practice every day. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, one, one other thing too, that I, I, first I thought this was kind of a silly way to do it, but it actually is pretty effective. It's kind of like having a joke with yourself is when you notice that you are thinking about something that you've already decided you don't need to think about for now, uh -huh. just calling it out in your own brain, like thinking about chemistry test, thinking <laughs> about chemistry test. <laughs> like, notice how often it comes up. Yeah. And then you start to chuckle. You're like, this is ridiculous. ridiculous. About this. Yeah. So let it yeah. go. I'm in softball practice. Yeah. Pay attention to that. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I have found that has been really effective too is uh, is really relying on the five senses, right? So um, because I would say you can't taste a meal from the past. You can remember it, but you can't taste it. So when you're eating something, smelling something, hearing something, it does truly bring you back to present. I realize, you know, I want to blame my, my diet soda addiction on this. Um, but I know even if I'm not drinking Diet Pepsi, I'm always drinking something. So I know for me that is something that I think really I rely on to keep me present, right? Um, but that's like, I didn't really understand why essential oils could be beneficial, but um, outside of what they, you know, what we use them for, but even that smell can pull you back to being in that present. So that's thing, uh, that's something as well, if you're like, okay, I'm relying on my senses, I need to be pulled back to that present because you can't go into the past or future when you re are relying on a sense, a senses. Maybe that's also why I pet my dog all the time. I'm like, okay, Spencer, I feel ya, buddy. You know, you're keeping me present, yeah. So with all this stuff, you know, we've kind of talked about how this benefits our student athletes, uh, or the tools they can do. How does this make athletes better performers and how can they use this in their personal life? Because we always focus on um, performance with athletes, but so much of their performance is based around what's going on all the hours they're not at training, right? And we don't necessarily focus on that and how that impacts um, performance and training. So how are these skills going to really benefit our student athletes? Yeah, I think we, you know, oftentimes we're trying to manage ourselves from within and then also manage the outside uh, factors that are that are affecting us. Mm -hmm. um, and so where we can get a little bit off track is when we're just managing from the outside. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, what, so this, this, I just had this insight a couple of years ago. So I'm 51 years old. So, you know, whole lifetime of learning here. <laughs> um, but I, so when I was swimming uh, competitively, I could tell when, you know, you could feel when you hit the right pace. When I'm a distance swimmer and I'm trying to hit that pace that I know is just pushing it enough, but sustainable. Um, so I'm like, okay, I hit that groove and then I can stay there for a while. And I would notice what my breathing pattern was once I got to that pace. And it would be like every 
every five or six, right? Then I'd, I'd breathe every five or six strokes and I'd be like, okay, now I'm in the zone, stay here. I do this for a mile. That's what I do. Um, but only in the last couple of years did I realize that I could actually set my pace by my breathing. So instead of just like getting in the pool and being like, okay, I'll warm up and I hopefully I'll get to that place where my, my body starts to feel like it's hitting the groove. Instead, I would just set my breathing pattern to five or six. And what happens is I hit that pace. That's what, that's the pace I need to be at. And so comes coming back to breathing um, just in general in life, when you're, when you notice that you're almost out of breath, whatever you're doing has to come to an end. Mm -hmm. You're, you're almost out of breath. <laughs> so even if it's just explaining something in a meeting or um, whatever pace you're trying to hold, or if you're, you know, we, we've all probably experienced a panic attack. It's an awful feeling. You're out of breath, right? And so when you can set what you're about to do by your own breathing, if you say, I'm going to go into this meeting, or I'm going to go into this class or this difficult conversation with calm breathing and let that be the tone that I take in there, it changes, it changes the way you approach things. And so um, for me, that was pretty eye-opening. Uh, that can, that obviously can play out in your, in your sport, in your practices that can also play out it, anywhere in life. Um, but I think coming back to that is my breathing matching is my breathing where I need my, the rest of my performance to be. Is this an elevated performance? I can breathe faster. Is this a calm performance? I can breathe slower. And can you, can you set that mark with your breathing? I think that's a good trick to do. Well, and you're a perfect example because you went from being sprint, you know, a sprint swimmer and the mad dashing craziness of that to holy smokes, I can go get a snack and come back to finish the end. You know, when you're watching Olympians do that, that length of swimming. So you did have to pace it out, right? You know, that's how I'm always fascinated by cross country runners because I've never done a sport that didn't involve sprinting. You know, I always thought, what's, I don't even understand what's so difficult. Well, nobody wants to run, but this, the science and the, um, and the technique that goes into long distance things, it really does require that control, right? Um, so one of the things too, that I have seen as an athlete, um, since I was injured and you, you know, you, both of us have gone through loss of sport, right? Which is a five podcasts unto itself. Um, but both of us have gone through that. And I know probably one of my, my top performing weekends, um, I had been out for a whole year and we were up at UW and it was beautiful. And, and UW's lake, uh, softball field is on the lake. It's one of the most beautiful areas to play softball. And I think I was able to just enjoy what I was doing with no expectations, just truly being happy to be back and getting to enjoy all the little things that we take for granted in sport. Like the simple things of what my cleats sound like on the, on the cement and getting to wear your uniform with your teammates. And I think we lose that a lot of the simple joys and pleasures of why we get started. Cause so much is focused on success and expectations and scholarships instead of, I'm just going to go hit the ball right? I'm just going to go be with my teammates. Look how green the grass is, that smell. I mean, you probably have things when you walk into a pool that you're like, oh, I love that smell, you know, or I remember that feeling, right? And I think losing that has put more stress on us as athletes, you know? And so being able to say, I'm just going to enjoy the moments that I have, because now that, you know, you, 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 you know, you're 51, I'm 41. We're like, wow, that went really fast, right? And especially now with COVID, it seems like it's going even faster. And so, being able to take those moments to truly embrace the simple things of your sport can really keep you as present as possible as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I just driving to Salem yesterday, I just saw a billboard outside of a store that said, if you feel like you're ready to quit your job, remember why you started. 
And I think that's a, that's applicable in sport too. If you're ready, I mean, we all have had moments where we're like, sure. oh, this isn't going well. I'm ready to quit. Why do I spend so much time on this? Yeah. And then, you know, take a minute to, to remember why you got into it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and reminding yourself, sometimes you, we have patches where we have to remind ourselves of that more often. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just looking at like, for me, the, the intrigue of, um, of sport and and for me for my sports for swimming has been uh just the curiosity of it the puzzle of undoing technique or or figuring out technique how can i improve this how can i make this slightly faster or more streamlined uh and then the thrill of just feeling your whole body engaged in something mm-hmm. that where you know even if it doesn't even if it's not a million bucks feeling it's still everything is working like mm-hmm. just everything is synced up and it's working and that's just an amazing feeling so so having all this stuff, how can we p- place it into the classroom? You know, a lot of kids uh, struggle with like test anxiety, right? How can you use mindfulness to deal with maybe the stress of the academic push of being a student athlete? That's a good question. I think um, one of the things we need to recognize as athletes is that we're, we're very self-sufficient um, and we're very self-reliant. And part of that comes from being just high achievers uh, athletically and also having a team. If we have a solid team and we've got that vibe of we all, always have each other's back, we just figure we'll, we'll figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. We'll just work it out. We'll figure it out. So um, the, the drawback to that is we very seldomly ask for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one of the big things that, uh, that students don't realize, particularly student athletes uh, don't realize, is that the help that is available on college campuses, A, it's already paid for with mm-hmm. your tuition dollars, so you might as well use it. But also, mm-hmm. it's, it's, not a, um, it's not a crutch. Mm-hmm. There are things out there that can help us, um, can support us in the ways that we learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important to, to realize as athletes, because if you've been a highly successful individual and you run into a roadblock where this isn't working, asking for help is a necessary step in that yes. stage. And we know that from life, right? Life will send us curveballs where if we didn't ask for help, I don't know where we would be. Oh yeah. And that, that doesn't take away from your own accomplishment. That doesn't mean that you're, you're less self-sufficient. It means that you're, you're using the tools available to you to work your way through a situation that is challenging. Um, so I think keeping that in mind uh, in the classroom of just knowing that when you're, especially when you're at, um, when you're at college, you're in an, an institution of higher learning. The whole point is for all of us to be learning at all times. And so when we can learn and grow together and, and take the resources that are provided for us, then I think we're, we're better off for it. Well, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, I work with both high school and college and, and I always say to them, did you go talk to your, t- your, your teacher? Well, no. And I go, okay. Um, but they're the expert in this, right? So they're like, well, I'm just going to ask a friend. I go, okay, you're going to ask another 13 to what, 20 year old, or you can go ask somebody that has a master's degree or a PhD in the subject. And one thing I've learned as I've gone into my own business is I hire independent contractors. Okay. I'm good at this much stuff. I'm not good at all this stuff. And so I'm going to rely on the experts. And I think with my injury, it forced me to rely on a lot of experts, a lot of doctors, going to professors, you know, even going to counseling as an athlete, you are using an independent contractor to get you to the highest level. Okay. That's what professors are doing as well. And the other thing with that too is with academics, it's important to stay focused on what is in front of you instead of all the what ifs down the road. You know, what if I fail this? What if I do this? What if I do that? 
Focus on whatever assignment is, go tackle it, get the help you need, and then worry about the next thing. Because I know how often we take academics into performance. Uh, I was joking with an athlete about game day and thinking how hard it is to sit still on game day, right? Even when I think about it now, like I, oh, my knee starts bouncing and I'm like ready to go. And so that's the thing is, how do you stay present in a classroom on game day, right? It's like you say, your mind has to be focused on what is important at the moment because you can't go and shoot hoops when you're in the middle of biology, right? So this can come into play when it comes to being in class, even, even uh, taking a test, right? Like, hey, guess what? You put as much into it and focus on each question at a time, not the outcome of what that test is going to be right? We all get wrapped up. What if we fail? Well, what if we fail? We'll figure it out. Like you said, with athletes, we'll figure it out, right? You know? Yeah, so. that's true. And I think um, one of the things that when I've talked with with all of our athletes as we return to the classroom uh, this year, and particularly with the freshmen, so I do this compliance meeting with everybody, and I say every successful uh, student in this room, tell me, was it God-given talent and <laughs> intellect that got you an A or was it hard work and organization? And it's always hard work and organization. It's yeah. not like, you know, we, I, I think I joked with you about this before where um, when I worked in advising and I'd offer people a, uh, you know, I'd say, okay, now you got to take an elective. What about an art class? And they'd be like, oh, I'm no good at art. And I don't know, I like, we don't go into history class thinking, well, I have to know everything about history before I take a history class. No, yeah. you don't. And you should go in there understanding in any class that you're there to learn how to do it. So really, it's a matter of how well do you organize yourself? What do you, what are the favors you do for your future self? Like, how are you going to make yourself comfortable tomorrow? Right. Mm -hmm. You're going to calm yourself down. You're going to get things done one at a time. Um, and you're going to go ask for help when you're confused about something. Mm -hmm. So, um, being a successful student is a practice just as much as being a successful athlete is. And you, and you know, the first time you go to a class and two weeks in, you take a quiz and you get a D plus, you don't just quit. No. Right. You can see you practice the way you practice your sport. Well, I, I think that's uh, a, a great lead to think about um, the difference between going to school to focus on just getting good grades or learning. Right. And I was lucky when I went to grad school, I wasn't looking for a different job. I wanted to be better at the job I was at. So when I went to school and I wasn't getting my Ph.D., so whatever, you know, so I focus on how much can I learn? not what my grades were. My grades were great doing it that way, but I feel like I was so much better equipped than people that were chasing grades. If I could go back to my high school self and my college self, I would say focus on learning as much as you can because you're going to get a better education and your grades will take care of yourself. Same thing with athletics. Be present with what your coach is teaching you because that's going to improve your performance and get you your playing time right? Don't worry about the people around you, what they're doing. The more you learn, the more you stay present, the better chance your performance is going to definitely step up. Yep, for sure. And make learning, make it interesting for you. Mm -hmm. If the, you know, if you're in a class where you're like, but this doesn't really grab me. Well, how can you relate it to something else in your life that is interesting? Yep. Or how can you relate it to what you and your friends are doing that makes sense? Um, yep. So yeah, just bring it to bring the learning to a level that, that clicks for you. Well, we joke in, uh, in our house because we watch Hamilton uh, way too much. We listen to the soundtrack pretty much every day. And I sit there and listen to it. And I was a history major. And I think, oh, my gosh, we're living a revolution right now. And I look back at all the different revolutions and why we did what we did. And so I'm like, OK, I get to be cultured now. And it also plays back into the last, you know. So that's the thing is, is everybody says to me, why do I need to learn history? I'm like, oh, guys, it's all going to come back around. It's important to know these things, maybe not to do your job, but to be a well-rounded individual and uh, an educated citizen, I guess I would say. So it is to say it's good to 
take every class you take, every practice you take and, and, and focus on what are you getting out of that day instead of, you know, what I'm going to be doing in the next couple hours. Exactly. Well, Jane, thank you so much. I think these tools are so valuable to student athletes and I think they don't get enough focus and a lot of kids know they need to be mindful, but they, they don't know how to put it in practice. So I think this is going to give them some great skills um, and hopefully some coaches and parents can be alongside to help support their athletes and trying to stay in present and get into their zone instead of waiting for their zone to land on top of them. So I really appreciate your time and your insight. Um, and, and hope that this can really support our student athletes as they go out, go on about their careers. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for doing this podcast. I think it's incredible. And I know it's a, a value to our student athletes. So thank you. Thank you. Check out train the complete athlete anywhere you can find podcasts or go to the website at www.trainingthecompleteathlete.com.